My name is River Toussaint Rabbit. I am the lead singer of White Rabbit Object, and you're listening to Talkin' Blues. River, tell me how music came into your life. Yeah, so I started playing piano when I was six, and the second that I started playing, I just knew I. I felt that I was deeply, deeply connected to music. I grew up in a household that listened to music from all different genres. I really got interested in jazz music when I was quite young, and ever since then, it's just been a huge part of my life. I, I started singing when when I was eight, and sort of trickled into other instruments and genres of music, and it's just something that's sort of never left my side, so to speak. Okay, tell me about starting to sing at the age of eight. Is it because of jazz? Like, were you interested in jazz that early in your life? I was very interested in jazz that early in my life. And I remember I would sit down at the piano and I had remember hearing uh, like really, really great jazz singers like Nina Simone and Ella Fitzgerald and I loved how they would improvise and so I I would just sit down at the piano and I would make stuff up just you know scatting so to speak right. as I'm sitting at my little piano and, and playing and uh, my piano teacher at the time was like oh you can you can sing and I was like no I'm just messing around but she's like no I think maybe you should try to hone in on this gift that you have and uh Next thing I knew, I was singing at Carnegie Hall when I was eight, which was crazy. Okay, explain. Uh, do, so, yeah, do that's, tell me, how does, that, how does that happen? Yeah, so I, I was very, very fortunate as a, as a young woman to uh, get to take lessons at a really wonderful academy of music. And every year, this academy, uh, which no longer exists, uh, they would host auditions for a touring group for the school and they were going to choose four singers and the rest were going to be pianists uh, to to play a classical show at Carnegie Hall. So my mom was like, well, why don't you audition? Why don't you give it a shot and, and see what happens? And I've always felt very encouraged by, especially my mom, uh, to, to play music and to sing. She's one of my biggest cheerleaders. Uh, and so I auditioned. Was she a musician and, as well? No, no, nobody in my family plays music other than me. They love music. They are they are uh, consumers of music, but not uh, musicians themselves. Okay, so that's a pretty big deal to play Carnegie Hall. Tell me what you remember about that experience. I remember, I had you know it, it's a it was a weird point in my life because it was gosh three months before 9-11 and I remember being that was my first time in New York and just being dumbfounded by how big the city was and and how much talent was was you know existing in that city and still exists in that city today and you know just being this little girl walking around amongst these giant skyscrapers and this this great amount of talent and feeling like I was the luckiest person in the world to be able to do that and then to stand on a stage 
that you know Tchaikovsky has played on and all of all of the greats have played Miles mm-hmm. Davis you know it's like you feel close to something that's bigger than yourself and I, I remember in that moment you know I think that was when my my love of performing for audiences really solidified for me it was very clear to me that this was something that I wanted to do with the rest of my life and and it has been what I've continued to do with my life. Wow. Okay, so tell me about being on that stage. Do you remember that sense of cuz they talk about what with great acoustics. Yeah, oh my gosh. No, it it was uh one of one of the most beautiful stages I've ever seen in my entire life. It's almost like the whole thing is like dripped in gold. That's the best way I could describe it. And the sound lends itself to classical music jazz music I mean really I mean I feel like that's the type of stage that really lends itself to all types of music I mean you know they talk about how a good sound engineer can make any musician sound good but that I'm convinced that the acoustics in that room could make any musician sound good well you think about all the great recordings that have happened in that in that building oh my gosh classic recordings both in classical and jazz and rock and everything so all of it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, what did you actually sing that at that performance? So we, yeah, we sang a, a myriad of, of classical songs. So we did "Fairlise," "Ave Maria," uh, "Ode to Joy," a lot of really traditional classical pieces. So, were you studying classical? I guess you must have been studying classical before you embarked yes. on jazz. Yes, I was. Okay, tell me about that classical training. This is. It interests me because um, the company I work with does a lot of work with classical music, and we work with the Royal Conservatory of Music. Oh, that's wonderful. And always amazes me when, when we get to work with really talented people um, of yeah. all ages, but, you know, young musicians who are just ridiculously talented um, and they're so dedicated. Which, but sometimes I get the feeling that these musicians... Um, I kind of forced into it at the age of three or four. I, and No, I was never forced into it. Um, I actually, before I started playing piano, I told my mom that I wanted to play the flute. And the school that I ended up going to didn't offer that at the time. So she was like, well, why don't you try piano? Right. Start with start with that and, and see how you like it. And my brother would get so frustrated because I wouldn't stop practicing She's like, can you tell her to stop? Please make her stop. She won't stop. Um, and I was introduced to classical when I had first started. Um, but I I loved it because for, for me, I'm a very uh, studious person. I, I enjoy challenge. I like having a routine. And for me, there is something very routine about learning to play classical music that sets you up to be a successful musician otherwise at least for me I feel like I owe so much of the musician that I am today to being able to read music to like because I know theory because I understand modes and changes and and because I had that formative experience as a young person and really never had to be forced to practice or anything like that or forced to learn it I was always glad to to learn it because it it always felt like a challenge. It, it never felt like I was going to get to the end of learning with classical music, that there was always something new to learn. And I try to carry that 
with me even into my my work in an alt rock blues band now you know it's it's one of those things that carries over so i'm not i'm not clear did you follow more the singing or the piano or both both yeah i studied both for gosh i mean i i'm still a student of you know not not with a teacher or anything like that because i have the skills to teach myself now but uh yeah i studied both uh voice and piano coming up and how far did you go with both in 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 a formal um, musical teaching i stopped taking lessons when i was probably 15 but at that point i was teaching other people music and i was teaching uh students of my own how how to play and continuing my own education on my own um so yeah 15 i would say is when i stopped the the formal training for my my studies and when did you pursue jazz i started picking up jazz i would say probably around 8 or 9 is really when i started like adding those songs to my repertoire it wasn't necessarily that I was only learning classical music at that point. Right. Uh, but I didn't really deeply, deeply delve into all of the offerings that jazz had for me until I was like end of high school, beginning of college. That's when I really started understanding that like this was going to change the course of how I looked at music. And that was something that I kind of sought out on my own. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated. I mean, a lot of classical musicians love jazz and vice versa. And I presume it's it has a lot to do with the technicality, the complexity of both types of music. But in some ways, they're very, very different because um, one tends to be more improvisational and the other tends to be not. Tell me how you saw the two musics at that point. So I look at classical music as sort of like the the formation of my understanding of music. For me, jazz was this whole new beast. I've never really looked at them as like the same thing. They're bo- obviously they're both very technical, as you said, and they both have their their uh, unique complexities. Uh, but for me, jazz, like the thing that made me love jazz was the feeling that it evoked in me. So like with classical music, it's a bit expected. And so you, you sort of know when it's going to turn around, you know what to expect, you know, when the coda is coming. Uh, but with jazz music, I loved how it evoked this sense of like the best way I could describe it is nervousness because it was like you think you know where the song is going and then... And then you don't anymore. And to me, and to do that in a way that was so fluid and so just to to make change feel so natural, I think was the thing that drew me to it. I don't know. I think about like, I don't know, the album Soul Station by Hank Mobley. That, That album for me was one that when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, no, this is like a totally different beast. And, you know, you you listen to something like that and you're like, there's so much more to be explored musically. Um, And another funny thing that actually like really got me into jazz music was Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa's not a jazz musician. I wouldn't call him a jazz musician. 
but I feel like he approaches uh, his own genre from that same point of contention and you don't always know what you're going to get with with him you think it's going to go one way and then I don't know I'm thinking of a song like Black Napkins and you know you're expecting one thing but then it just completely turns you on your head and says aha just kidding so that's Mm -hmm. I don't know I love that feeling I love I love the unexpected I think there's room for both the expected and the unexpected in music uh and as someone that's uh, more of an active listener than a passive listener of music i i like when my ear is challenged i like feeling like i have again like i i'm a student of of music and so uh hearing things that that force me to go okay well how do i do that or how do i do something like that that's always what i, I that's a big thing that i enjoy about music especially jazz Let's say in your late teens, are you thinking you're going to be a musician? And if so, are you thinking that you will pursue either jazz or classical music? At that point, uh, no. I Well, yes, I always knew that I wanted to play music uh, in some facet. I, I don't know that like a career in music can be defined any one specific way other than the fact that like you're playing music for people. And I always knew I wanted to play music for people. But again, you know, in high school, uh, as a, you know, 14, 15 year old, I loved jazz and I loved classical, but I was still a teenager. And, you know, at that point in time, I was discovering The Doors. I was discovering, you know, like Florence and the Machine and and Amy Winehouse and just, uh, you know, getting introduced to all of these different types of music. So I wrote a variety of different types of songs. I, I feel like that point in my life was really me trying to figure out uh, what my voice was in music, not necessarily carving out any one path for myself, but sort of trying to find my own voice. And I think I'm still doing that to this day. You know, I don't necessarily like to tell myself like, okay, like you're a jazz musician or you're a classical musician or you're a blues musician. You know, I I like to think that I am multifaceted enough as an artist to be able to to cross over genres and and to uh, always approach music from that again that point of contention that sort of uh, nervousness and and not ever really being sure what you're going to get. I think our band especially does that very well. We don't necessarily fit into a box. We definitely have big blues influences, especially you know living in Chicago. We've got so many amazing blues artists here that like nobody knows about, you know, if you're in the blues community, you probably know about them. But like, you know, when I tell people about, oh, you got to go hear Joanna Connor at Kingston Lines, they're like, who? You know, so just uh, always, always trying to pull inspiration from everywhere to create, to create new things and, and to keep the music fresh and, and lively. Did, did you always grow up in Chicago? Like, is that where you're based from the? When you were young? Oh, yeah. So I moved here quite early. So, I mean, it's, it's such a great musical town. It is. Definitely in the blues, but, I mean, the classical music scene is pretty amazing, and, and the indie scene is pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. We've got, I mean, Chicago, whatever type of music you're looking for here, you can find it. And to, t- to add a cherry on the top of that, you can find people that do it well. 
Uh, we are a town that that is booming and thriving with just so much talent from all different genres and walks of life. And it's it's really, really special that, you know, you could walk into any one place. So does that make it easier or more difficult? Like, is it competitive musically for a band starting out? You know, I oh, I don't know how to answer that. Um that's a good question. I don't know that it's necessarily easy or hard. I think that a lot of the it being easy or hard comes from how much you're pushing and putting yourself out there. Uh, but I don't necessarily see like bands being in competition with one another. I feel like this is a really supportive musical community and it's a lot of musicians trying to lift other musicians up. Okay, so let's talk about the band. Well, not, let's, before we talk about White Rabbit Object, tell me about musically what you were doing before this band. So before this band, I played in a sort of like neo-soul pop project uh, that I, I wrote an EP with, arranged. Uh, it was kind of along the lines of like the Amy Winehouse genre of music um four piece horn section uh lots of lots of big sounds that big band sound uh so that was what I was doing before this it's a record that I'm really proud of uh, I'm actually re-releasing it over the course of the next year one of the songs is out now that I'll have to send to you but yeah it's it was one of those things where I was at a at a point in my life where I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with that record I you know I was recording it for me I was recording it because I finally felt like I had found my voice in music and and that I had songs that I was really really passionate about so those songs will trickle out over the over the course of the next year and, and sorry that was released under your name or was it under a band name? It was under River Toussaint. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now this band happens. Yes. Um, White Rabbit Object, which am I correct to assume that this name comes from a Jurassic Park reference? You would be correct. That is that is absolutely correct. Okay. So tell me about how that name came about and how you decided upon that name. So when that gets typed into the computer in Jurassic Park or whatever it is that lets all the dinosaurs go crazy. It's like the it's the it's the movement. It's it's the change that happens that sets everything on its on its head. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, changes the course of how the rest of the film takes place and so our name is sort of code for that change that's taking place for us. It's that, you know, the white rabbit is a symbol for change and that's essentially what we're trying to do is pave out change through uh, the different you know songs that we release through the image we have as a band and create something new and exciting that turns the music industry on its head i would imagine that there's a somewhere between you and your husband or maybe your band members there's art behind that whether it be making videos or you know the the drawings that I see in the background. Yeah, there's a there's who's, who's the artist? Uh, for the most recent EP, not album cover, but just in general, yeah. the fact that you've put together some really neat videos. You you I see artwork in the background of some of your playing. Yeah, um, 
so I presume between you and your husband, somebody is an artist. Uh, we, I wouldn't call myself a great artist. I like to paint. I like to draw. I've done some of the stuff for our project. Uh, but we are just, uh, you know, Frank is super, super creative when it comes to the videos. He does most of the video editing and the video work and puts together some really amazing stuff. He, especially with like graphic design and like visual design, he has such a keen eye for creating things that really lend themselves to the songs. Uh, he and I are both big collectors and consumers of of art, and we're, we're very fascinated by the intersection of, of art and music and are always trying to stay atop of, you know, making sure that our, our musical vision is also an artistic vision that people can, can visualize as well. So when you put this together, because I get this feeling that that in some ways the reaction to the band has been a bit of a surprise to you. Yeah. Maybe it, I'm wrong. No, but. no, you're you're not wrong at all, actually. And, you know, this this band didn't really start as a as a band. Frank was writing a song for another project that he was in. And I came home and I told him he was playing the bass line wrong and corrected him on it. And uh, I asked him if he had lyrics we released that song. It's on 101 KQX, which is our alternative rock station here in Chicago. Two weeks later, you know, we keep putting out more music as like singles. That's really all it was anticipated that we were going to do. We were just going to re- release a single every now and again just for fun, you know, and have it be this thing that we did together. But the more traction that we started getting and the more people that started picking up on what we were doing, we were like, Maybe we need to consider, you know, actually taking this show on the road and, and you know, building a band. And, and we did. And the reception since we've done that, and especially since we've released this last EP, has just kind of been uh, staggering for us. But it hasn't come with a lot of, without a lot of hard work. It's, you know, uh, every day Frank is pushing and and you know, we're all, you know, doing things to propel this forward because we really do believe that this music connects with people. And I, I think that's, you know, regardless of what comes of it, that's the, the main thing that you could ever hope for is that, you know, someone feels something when they listen to your music. So how does one go about that? Because I, I have no idea how a band starts and tries to get traction. I mean, obviously, Radio's playing your stuff and people are taking notice and getting good reviews. But how do you move this forward in a way that makes sense to you? Yeah, we have always kind of looked at it like you need to have a crowbar. Uh, You know, so, for example, we wrote the song Jolene's Reply and unbeknownst to us, uh, Sound Opinions, uh, the NPR show picks up Jolene's reply and and says it's the dirtiest groove they've heard in a long time you know and then we use that to sort of crowbar into another thing you know we get a on a bigger stage and then we use the next crowbar to get on a bigger stage and leverage different types of press you know we played South by Southwest earlier this year that was our crowbar for headlining at Summerfest and you know, these things, they, you know, you have to look at everything you do as an opportunity to open another door. And that's kind of the way that we've always approached it. But again, too, it's a lot of sending emails. It's a lot of putting yourself out there. It's a lot of 
having to be okay with rejection, the answer is always no if you don't ask. So we're, I mean, you can always expect that we're asking for for time to play and, and, and for people to review our music. And, you know, that work is paying off. I mean, it, it is a lot of work and it's it's not easy and it's not easy to be getting the rejections. How do you, how do you deal with that? With rejection? I mean, are you getting enough positive feedback that you think it's, it's definitely worth it or oh yeah times no it's very difficult you know uh at this at this stage you know i won't act like it was always all positive forever uh you know at this stage we don't really we're not really experiencing um rejection it's more uh hey like you know this isn't the right thing for you but we're looking for something else for you because we believe in what you're doing um but in a previous you know in a in a previous life uh, yeah, no, rejection happens all the time. The The thing about music is that, you know, you, it's like Michael Jordan says, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. We're always shooting our shot. We're always, you know, getting out there. Rejection is just, it, it's not no, it's just go back to the drawing board and figure out a new way to approach this. Uh, how, how can you look at this from a different vantage point? So again, it's not, I think you do have to have, you know, quite thick skin to be in this industry. You have to have a level of self-assuredness and and know that, you know, rejection is, is going to happen. It's not, it, I mean, it's literally inevitable in this industry. Um, but you have to take it with, again, it's, you know, it, with a grain of salt, you know, there's there's always going to be more opportunities. You just can't, you can't give up. I know it sounds so cliche, but but you can't if you want to keep going in music. Do you set goals for yourselves? Like, do you have a plan that says, you know, we would like to do this by this date or we want to try to accomplish this? I think that it's really... So the answer to that is is twofold, yes and no. Uh, we definitely have goals for ourselves as a band. Uh, we don't really put time frames on goals, especially when it comes to gigs, because there's a lot of outlying factors for those things, you know? A lot of it is, you know, are you the right band for this moment in time? And so, yeah, we might not be right for Lollapalooza this year, but we might be right for Riot Fest this year, you know? And so, um, not, we, we definitely all have big goals for this project. There are stages we want to play. There's music we want to put out. There's people we want to reach, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's like, we, look at it from just needing to keep that momentum going and so again it's just it's about putting in that work and not not stopping okay so you just released an ep yes um if i'm not mistaken i believe that you have a couple others coming up we do yes we released whiskey hotel tango this year that is the first installment of uh three records that will be coming out over the course of the next year year and a half uh, there's two other records coming. So essentially when we decided that we were going to do it that way, we wanted it to read like a story or listen like a story. So the three albums together will sort of tell the story of like the start of, of all of the things that we've done as a band. So how, like, obviously there's a plan to this, right? Mm -hmm. To say, okay, we're going to break it up into three. It's like EPs. classical music. It's very methodical. <laughs> Um, 
but but as a as a and I presume this is an indie band. You're doing this all on your own, or do you have a label behind? We you? don't have a label behind us, but we have a recording studio that we love, a producer that we love. Um, you know, we've got a, a trusted team around us to help us steer this thing in in the right direction. And uh, we're we're definitely an indie band, but we are not alone. We are not independent of of really great feedback and and help along the way how do you assemble a team like that how does that happen to be honest i have no idea that is a frank question (laughs) uh he this man is like a mad scientist he like he is so charismatic and so hardworking, and he just like he attracts these people and he seeks these people out and he Yes, he's the bass player. He's uh, one of the main songwriters for this band, but he also does a lot of the management pieces. And, you know, I I think having somebody in a band that's willing and able to do those things and is really good at it is definitely something that sets us apart from other independent bands. Like we have someone that really understands what it takes from the business side to to make these things happen. Yeah, I mean, just looking at, your website and looking at the things you've done this seems to be and, and plan is probably not the right word but there was obviously some thought put behind it and and some ideas behind what you do and how you do it and what you hope to accomplish with absolutely it. yes definitely a, a level of, of planning that happens <laughs> tell me about the songwriting that's something that you have done all your life mm-hmm. yeah um frank as well he's also you know written songs for quite a number of years uh a lot of times you know we have very different styles of writing i would say frank normally comes to the band with a completed song um sometimes he will tap me for uh changing lyrics or helping complete a song me um I will write a verse and a chorus. I'll sit on it for like six months. And then Frank will be like, are you ever going to finish that song? Uh, I'm going to finish the song for you if you don't. And then that usually gets my butt in gear because I don't want him finishing my songs. Uh, Yeah. So we, I mean, we are a really good team when it comes to songwriting. Uh, We, a lot of times, like I'll write a melody and a set of lyrics and he'll already have like music behind it ready to go vice versa we just I mean we're around each other like all the time so it it makes it really easy you know we're we're married that's one of the benefits of of being married and being in the same band is like we wake up and he's like I have this great idea for a song I'm like okay well what if you did this for the song or or vice versa and you know just it there's a constant stream of creativity happening at all times so songs just end up kind of writing themselves just given our natures and and our our instinct to create new things well i'll tell you from from the things that i've listened to there's a song called keep you like a secret tidal wave which i really like thank you it's it's an it's an amazing song tell me a little bit about that song i wrote the entirety of that one uh that was a song that i had sat on for for some time and I, w- I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with it. You know, it was you know a, a profession of my love for Frank. And, you know, I wrote it as this love song. And, you know, it was very personal. And it wasn't really um, 
in line with the rest of the stuff that we'd done as a band, but it ended up being this really cool bookmark in the first album, this sort of uh, moment in time that we were able to capture. And we tapped a friend of mine, Scott May, who plays organ in the Ides of March, and he played organ on, on that track and guitar on that track. And he just really brought it to a, a really cool place. You know, he added these like prog rock elements and I was just, oh, I get scared with, with songs sometimes, you know, I have visions, grand visions for, for my songs in my head. And, uh, I, I sometimes get fearful that like, oh, like it won't, you know, come to fruition in the studio or maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. And, and it ended up being so much more than I thought it was going to be. So I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, I always find that fascinating because it must be so strange to have not strange but it must be weird that you 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 have an idea for a song and it goes through your head you put it down on tape or you sit down at your piano or with a guitar and sing it out loud but the process of taking that idea to finishing that song in a studio and hopefully making it come out i don't know whether it be the way you imagined or something completely different but I, 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 I imagine that it's not easy to come up with a song and to see the finished product and see it the right way because it could go wrong in so many different ways along the process. Yeah, and you know, I, I like that you said that because when you sit down and you write a song, you know, you're writing from your vantage point. You're writing with your voice. And when you sit down and you play it by yourself, like, of course, it's going to sound good to you because you're the one person sitting there playing the song. And as a band, the goal is to make it sound like one voice, but you're having, you know, however many members of the band there are, are all contributing and lending their voice to it. So wielding those voices together to sound like one thing, like it was a collective effort is sometimes really hard but uh, I mean, I, I feel so fortunate to work with such talented people to be in a band with such not just talented, but just all around like wonderful human beings that makes the process so much more fun. And it's like I there's a level of like radical transparency that happens in our band where it's like if, you know, one of us is not feeling something we were actually just working on keep you like a secret in, in practice the other day because we're gonna play it a little bit differently at a show that's coming up and I just was not vibing with it and I I trust my my bandmates enough to be able to tell them that and then we fix it like there has to be there has to be an open line of communication uh amongst band members or or nothing will be productive (laughs) so I'm very lucky in that sense that they're all very understanding of my neuroses when it comes to my songs. <laughs> well, if you didn't care, who would, though, right? <laughs> I know, I know, truly, truly. Um, so in the near future, what's happening with the band? Are you you're doing gigs around Chicago? We have a lot of gigs around Chicago coming up. Those can all be found on our website, which is whtrbbtobj.com. And you can find all of our show dates there. Uh, Same thing on Instagram. We post a lot of, you know, upcoming shows, new music that's coming out, different things we're a part of. Right now, we're actually nominated for Best Emerging Band in Chicago as part of Chicago Readers Best of 2023. So you can vote for us in that. Uh, 
yeah, we're we're off to a good start this year. We're pretty much booked. Uh, we've got shows like through I think April or May at this point in time. Uh, yeah, so just more shows, more recording, uh, fun surprises along the way. So, and how do you get out of Chicago? How do you get to other areas? So we, yeah, uh, like last year we did a tour. We went down to Louisville, uh, we went to uh, Tennessee, and we played a bunch of shows. Again, it's like, it has to be musicians supporting other musicians at that point, you mm -hmm. know, because it's like, you can't just go down to a state that you've never played in and just expect to headline a show. So it's, you know, reaching out to those other bands that, you know, have similar values to you and write, are writing similar styles of music that you are and are independent and doing cool things and just again it's forming that community with other artists who are making music for the pure joy of making music and sharing it with other people and supporting other musicians so we've been really fortunate that anytime we've gone down to any other state um, we've had really good support from other bands other artists we've played with some immensely talented people um, so yeah we're, we're very fortunate in that in that uh in that area of, of music, but we don't really have plans to uh, tour yet this year. Uh, we're definitely of the belief that you got to win over your region before you can really make a big splash on tour. So that's why we're really setting our sights to, you know, do Chicago, Milwaukee, uh, and the surrounding areas this year. Well, I think if you keep doing your videos and writing good music, it's got to, it's going to happen. So, um, well, thank you. I'm I appreciate that. Well, thank you for reaching out, and it's, um, I've been enjoying getting to know your band, and I really appreciate you taking the time to let me know about the band. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for taking the time to get to know more. You know, it's, it's really things like this that help bands grow. It's, you know, you have a community of people, and I have a community of people, and so now I can go and tell my community about Talk and Blues. You can tell your community about White Rabbit Object, and it's... It's really just creative, supporting creative. So I'm very grateful for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime.